Do we want to talk shit about the... Uh, wait. This gets edited, right? <laughs> are, are you talking about the That's embargo stuff? <laughs> the embargo stuff? Yeah, yeah Let's yeah. just talk shit about the embargo stuff, because I want to do that anyway. We can oh, make a short yeah, out of it. What up, passionate DJ Nation? It is your boy, Modingo. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about a little bit of a sensitive subject. If you follow us on social media, you'll see that a few weeks ago, um, the embargo was broken on some equipment that was going to be released. Now, what do I mean by embargo? So normally, folks like us who do reviews on equipment and hardware, we're given that hardware prior to its release date, so that way we can test it out do a gear review, put together content so that way you guys have an idea of what our first impressions are of that equipment. Well, a few weeks ago, that embargo was broken by some people within our community. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, when our partner, the DJ Hookup, sends us all this equipment, we're under strict guidelines and rules and even sign legal documents saying that we won't speak about this equipment or show it to anybody until a specific date. Um, that way it maintains the integrity of the release date by the vendor because they're marketing teams working behind the scenes to make sure that this product gets released with the proper still photographs and the proper text that'll go in all these write-ups and just general information that the manufacturer wants everyone to know about their gear. Well, unfortunately, some people dropped all that information about this new piece of hardware several days before it was scheduled to be released to the public at large. Well, here at The Passion DJ, we truly do respect and honor those opportunities that we're given to present you with all this new content on all this new gear. And for us to violate any embargoes or release date requirements, that's just something we wouldn't do. However, some people felt it necessary to break this information. In this episode, Tony David Tripp and I talk about our feelings about the embargo being broken and what it means to us as content creators. For those of you watching on our YouTube channel, please make sure and subscribe and hit that bell so that way you get notifications whenever we drop new content. On with the show. So this week, there was some hardware announced that was scheduled to be announced on a certain day. And a lot of the information was leaked to the public. Leaked. Yes. That's, um, a, that's a silly word for it. Yeah. It is a silly <laughs> word because it wasn't like when you think of a leak, it's like, oh, it like a- appears on like random like little youtube channels or social media channels or whatever or someone inadvertently got cc'd on an email yeah that sort of thing this was like it's literally so serato's blog is called the drop <laughs> and it was on serato's blog which is like okay this is marketing this right. is not an leak, accident yeah. right now there were other channels and stuff. I don't want to call anybody out because I honestly don't. I'll do it. Was. It was. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who was first or whatever and, and, and all that, but you know who you are. You know who you yeah. are. Um, no, I think it's the the people to be a little upset at is, is probably like the people in charge of marketing for like in music and brands like that who plan this kind of thing out. And, and the reason it's it's upsetting to somebody like me is like. On one hand, I get it. It's like, okay, why does why does a big brand care about a little content creator with 6,000 subscribers mm-hmm. on YouTube kind of thing? But on the other hand, it's like, well, when you have these this kind of gatekeeping, it defeats the entire 
purpose of the embargo where all this stuff gets released you know all at the same time mm-hmm. right. and so what what happens to you know whether you have whether you're on the list or not you know if there's a different embargo for this company versus this oh little, company a versus company b yeah then it's that's, like, that's that's an unfair advantage not only that i mean it's so in the context of youtube which is what i care about it's brutal it's brutally different it's i mean if something gets leaked and we don't post anything about it for a week that you know the youtube spike is like and then it's and if you miss that bump then it's just not going to be the same now that doesn't mean it's not worth making the video it depends on what it is you know but if you miss out on that especially for for a hardware launch from a big company you you just will never get the same views on that video right and that squashes your views your ad revenue and the subscribers you get in that you know and it kind of like ruins the time that you put into it and so like as you know somebody in my position i go well then fucking embargo because now i'm at a disadvantage for trying to play nice right or follow and, the rules, and follow the rules. Well, but so, it, now I'm not saying I'm I'm doing that. I'm just saying that's my attitude right now. I'm right. Just, I'm upset about it because it's like, you know, I because I'm following the rules, I'm getting penalized, and right. it seems to be sanctioned, which pisses me off. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Is that, I mean, it, it almost feels like there's like either a pay to play or you know there's there's some sort of preferential treatment in there somewhere, and you know, um, for some of the those other channels, you know. Do they even need to have that? You know, right? If you already, like, ha- if you're already a verified, you know, YouTuber or whatever, and you have hundred thousand followers, do you need to squeeze people like us out? Right, right, you know? right. And you know, there are um, there have been other outlets that have mentioned this, and I've been kind of looking around. And one of the people who's talking about it is Mark. Well, Mark, I'll say, um, who used to own a um, an outlet like this um more popular and so he you know had reviewed gear for years and years and years and uh, had an exchange on linkedin with the of uh, all places like, linkedin yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> which i thought was interesting i don't know yeah. if it was the director of marketing or the ceo or somebody at in music and was like why are you why are you hyping this shit up like it's doing anything revolutionary anyway like right. what's up with it like just release it to everybody and stop acting like it's a top secret crazy thing because right. none of this stuff is changing the game you know what I mean? right. so it's there's this whole stink now about it well it's, but i mean but that that's an excellent point i mean it's not as if you know any of the stuff that's coming out is doing anything fundamentally different yeah there's there's in, there's incremental improvements mm-hmm. and there are you know smaller um additions to features and functionality <clears throat> But at the end of the day, you're still mixing music. There's still jog wheels. There's still, you know, faders. There's still knobs, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Like, so what's, you know, what, what's, what's the, what is the the purpose behind all of that hype? Because if you're Denon, if you're Pioneer, if you're, you know, whoever, you know, if you're one of the major brands, everything you drop is going to get some, you know, level of hype to it when you drop it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't, I guess I don't follow enough of the hardware releases to know, 
uh, you know, is there any other like teasers along the way that gets people all hyped up for the big, you know, drop? Rain's definitely been doing that. Have they? Yeah. Yeah. And so, which is, you know, which that I guess, okay, cool. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just like, eh, you know, if, if it's it to your point, if it's a top secret project, like, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, BT releases some mind scanning hardware that allows you to do what, you know, like create music and mix, you know, interstellar sounds together into, you know, something coherent, uh, you know, something, you know, unless there's some major some, some BT Richie Houghton collab. Exactly. That changes the world. Exactly. Mixed on a speaking spell. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Hey. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, unless there's something that just fundamentally changes things. And, and when I think of stuff like that, I mean, think back to like the Native Instruments gear, you know, that uh, came out a while back, you know, your Z2s and all that and stuff like that, you know, like things without, you know, what we thought about, like, you know, jog wheels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there were a lot of things that Native Instruments was really trying to, you know, push right. that I would have considered, um, uh, forward thinking, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of trying to change how we think about, sure. we use that, um, that, that equipment. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, to have that level of, oh, you got to have an embargo. You can't talk about anything. Well, like, just, and there's uh, NDAs involved too. Right. You know, which are legal documents. Right. Right. And then the one thing I found <laughs> peculiar about this is that some of the people that the information was being released in advance of the embargo aren't people that normally review gear. What? Huh. So that to me was like, that's weird. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm over here like, whoa, is me and my poor YouTube channel. I get it. But at the same time, it's like when you, when you incentivize getting ahead of an embargo like that, then you're incentivizing getting bad information out ahead of time by people who don't have proper PR documents, aren't in contact with reps, don't have the, you know, the zip file that comes with the PDF and the images and all the stuff that you get when you properly review gear right. like that. And so, you know, people are going to say whatever they're going to say and they could be wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> True. Uh, and interestingly, um, you know, like, so with the SC Live 4, the, the Denon um, standalone, they, day two, they dropped the, the price by like $300. <laughs> what? Day two. Yeah. So I don't know. There, there's some weird <clears throat> marketing decisions going on yeah. <laughs> over there. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional wow. or if that was a response to flashback about price and stuff like this because people are complaining about the marketing and right. the leaks and all that is interesting. Huh. Um, the new prices make more sense. I'm glad they did it. But right. Right. Anyhow. I mean, anytime you can save, save somebody a couple 300 hundred bucks. bucks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And good product too. Just, yeah. you know, I'm not, not complaining about the product. Yeah. I'm still a Denon user. So yeah. 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 You still like your Denons? I do. Um, you know, there are times where I miss uh, the Pioneer experience at home. Um, but In uh, what way? Uh, familiarity. Is it, is it the players or the... Oh, it's the overall yeah. familiarity. Yeah, yeah. Like, the uh, muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, remember, I just changed the Denon. What was that? A few years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, for me, you know, it was 
19, right at pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it was 19, right before the panini started. Yeah, yeah. 1998, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, using Pioneer gear. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, 20 years of uh, muscle memory and, and just familiarity with a product. Um, and it's not, uh, I mean, to me, you know, Pioneer is, you know, to me it's still, uh, in my head as club standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, you can't argue with features, functionality, and price when it comes to, uh, Denon and the, and the quality of stuff that they're putting out. Yeah. No, I, I still enjoy it. Um, but yeah. And, and record box, uh, the last, the, the last time I opened up record box was right before it went to, um, oh. uh, what's the current version? I don't um, know, but I just, that's the one that Jack, uh, Mr. Shifter, he, transition on day one and then he couldn't find anything afterwards. right right and, and it and it's a weird like i didn't fully look into it but like there's like some subscription models and and yeah, and all that yeah. stuff like so um you know i i um you know I, I still struggle a little bit with uh the engine uh stuff but overall one thing that i really like about uh about the denon stuff or the engine stuff overall is they they're constantly releasing updates yeah of significance. Yep. Um, not just bug fixes, but like, here's some goose. <laughs> it was you funny. <laughs> uh, uh, when you did a gear review, um, oh, what was it? And, but you had my SC 5000s. And <laughs> so like, I drop them off and then I get them back and they're like fully firmware up yeah. and I'm all like, <laughs> I don't know, how to use I don't know what to do here. How do I use this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I remember David telling me he's like he hasn't updated these since he bought them. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not true. I did. I did update after I bought them once. Once. I was like, three, I don't, almost I don't, three years ago. I yeah. don't think these even, these players know they have Wi-Fi. Yet. It, it, they didn't exactly. They didn't. But so that was the funny part is I open it up and like now there's all this like Wi-Fi connectivity. I'm gonna yeah. have to like log look. into your title account. I, yeah. Do you want to log into your Dropbox? Do you want to log into? Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna have to like go out there and find a all the release notes and how to, how to use all that fancy new I mean, stuff. It's, it's really cool because like, that's the opposite of what some companies do. Right. And it's, you know, there's, they're incentivizing you to buy into the ecosystem rather than trying to coax you into upgrades, which gets really annoying. You know, they're like, Oh, you got this nuclear feature, but not if you get this one, you got to go up to the one that's 500 more dollars. And you, you have right. these weird tiers where it's like, you know, the, the lineups, you know, make sense. And like your 5,000s do everything that the live four does. I mean, that it has the correct ports and connections sure. for and stuff. But yeah. as far as the, the OS goes, right, they all do the same thing. And your, your 5,000s are like new players, which, right. is, which is pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to take a quick break from our segment to talk a little bit about some industry news. Now, for all you Swifties out there, you're quite aware of the fiasco that took place trying to order tickets for Taylor Swift's upcoming world tour. As those ticket goers logged onto the Ticketmaster website, they were met with long queues and people waiting in excess of eight hours in order to buy tickets. And some people were even just simply kicked out of queue for no particular reason. For several hours, some people were greeted with the message stating that there were insufficient numbers of tickets remaining. Not only did this upset her fan base, this also caught the attention of U.S. Representative David Cicilline of Rhode Island. He took to Twitter to say that Ticketmaster's exorbitant wait time and fee structure were unacceptable and that these were symptoms of a greater problem. 
since their merger with Live Nation in 2010, Ticketmaster covers roughly 80% of all major U.S. music venues. Although artists control the ticket prices, Ticketmaster can add fees that are as much as 75% of that of the ticket price. David Healy, former frontman of the group O Positive, says, Lack of competition is very harmful. And you have these exclusive arrangements where a venue has an exclusive deal with Ticketmaster. So if anybody wants to come in, they have to go through Ticketmaster. In 1994, the group Pearl Jam was very upset with the amount of fees that Ticketmaster was charging, so they decided to run a tour without using Ticketmaster or working at any of the venues that Ticketmaster had agreements with. In addition, they filed a complaint with the Department of Justice, which unfortunately went nowhere. As they hit the road in 1995, vowing to play at venues that were not controlled by Ticketmaster, it was a logistical nightmare, according to their tour manager, Kelly Curtis. They were challenged to find venues that had adequate acoustics and could stage large shows such as Pearl Jam in the 90s. They found themselves playing at, quote, weird places like ski resorts in Tahoe and fairgrounds in San Diego. And as far as getting venues in New York and Los Angeles, it was impossible. Although this attempt was valiant, it cost the band $2 million to put on that tour. Now I've had personal experience dealing with the exorbitant fees that Ticketmaster puts on. About a year ago, I was gonna try and take my daughter to go see the play Hamilton for a second time. She had seen it with my wife, Melissa, previously, and I didn't have the opportunity to go, so I thought it would be an awesome time for myself and my daughter to spend some time with something that she really enjoyed. When I got in the queue and finally got tickets, the ticket fees were the same exact cost as the tickets themselves. So it showed that cost my wife and my daughter $300 to go see in Cleveland about a year ago was gonna cost me $500. I love my daughter, but I just wasn't going to do that because Ticketmaster is out of control. Pretty much based on what I read, unless the government gets involved, Ticketmaster is always going to have this stranglehold on ticketing and venues across the United States. Have you had any experiences with exorbitant ticket fees with Ticketmaster? If you have, go ahead and drop it in the comment section below. We'd like to hear your thoughts. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to the performances page on YouTube as well. There you'll find all of our performance that were done at Passionate DJ Studios and some of those at some offsite locations here in Dayton, Ohio. Check them out. Really good time. Great production work that they put into all that stuff. All right. Now back to this week's episode. I, I agree. Um, and I think that you we've mentioned it before in the past, um, you know, but I think that's been one of the more frustrating things that I've ever um, thought when it came to pioneer gear, especially once everything started going controllers and this, that, and the other, you know, I get having different pricing tiers, but man, there are, there's yeah, some, you had to pay for all like the stitch in time, I think was one. And then yeah, if you wanted to use like external, like CDJs or whatever, it, it was the just club, all the so club, weird club, club kit, pack. club pack. Yeah. yeah. Club yeah. pack. And yeah. pioneers yeah. is getting better. Serato's is maybe getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but Serato has that like <clears throat> that wickedly loyal following though. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if you're a Serato person, like, you're you're never leaving. You just you so, are what you are. You know. It was yeah. so interesting to watch. It was almost like a this progression where like Pioneer and Serato were married. Then like Pioneer was like, we really need to do our own thing over here. Mm -hmm. And then they mm -hmm. just couldn't. They were. It was like the the girl that got away. And, and they, <laughs> no, there's, so they're still like the. They now have in the the. Um, the budget here for controllers they have the ddj rev one and the flx4 um, and they're almost the same price they're like 250 300 bucks mm -hmm. but one is like geared 
more in the direction of, I want to say turntablism, but it's it, what I mean by that is the mixers laid out like Tony's mixer, the DJM S mixer, mm, where it's mm-hmm. got paddles, right? And you know it's laid out that way. Whereas the FLX line is is more uh, what we're used to, you know, Pioneer Club standard, right. where you have the assignable effects and the button to the bottom right, like right. a DJM mixer and and stuff like that. So it's like now they're like, okay, we acknowledge that there's now this way of DJing and this way of DJing. Mm. So here's your two entry points. Right. And if you want to go the more record boxy way, <laughs> get this one. If you want to go the more Serato y right. way, go this way. Gotcha. But also ours does Serato. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's weird, but yeah. it's, uh, that's what it is. So. Right. Yeah. And we were just talking about this before we started recording. It seems like we're, we're getting more and more away from that controllery way of doing effects where you have the three four knobs mm-hmm. above but each the, deck yeah. and then buttons to engage them all and, and all that right seems like we're just we're kind of letting that go well I, I, except for maybe like native instruments yeah and, and but but you know what honestly i think that's a uh, yeah I, i'm 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 here for it honestly because yeah, I, I mean mind. i had a i had a, the it's simpler it makes more Exactly. Since in the moment. I had the DDJSZ and Serato has its own built-in effects and all of that stuff. But, you know, the amount of that that I used, well, why? When I've got, mm-hmm. you know, the built-in DJM mm-hmm. uh, effects all right here. And then they had, you know, everything plus the air horn on the other side. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, uh, that will be a product of its time. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's going to age it. Oh, God. But, um, so yeah, no, I, I, so I very rarely, if ever used any of those assignable knobs up there for, you know, mapping them to Serato effects when I've got all the stuff right here. It just wasn't, wasn't necessary. I will say, and I, I think Tony would probably agree. I do like it for track. I just, I like tractors, really? but that, yeah. that's the thing about tractors. We were like they want, that conversation, you, they want yeah. you to get in and get all nitty gritty yeah. and have all that chaining and control of all that and it, and the way they integrate it with their hardware, it makes sense. Sure. You know? Sure. I, I do dig that. Yeah. That's uh, I usually don't use effects because I'm, I grew up well, in the digital world on tractor. So now when I have my DDJ 1000, I'm just like, no, I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll do some noise here. Flanger there. But like with, when I'm using native instrument stuff, I'm like all up in that top part, you know, going between both decks and stuff like that. It just, it feels more comfortable than to have to select a channel people love that stuff like i so we were talking we've been doing youtube shorts because you got it so we've been drag kicking and streaming to vertical yeah vertical yeah video so i I felt dirty the first time i turned my sony sideways (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. oh god i paid so much for this camera oh that hurts oh my god um but what the the most popular uh, YouTube short that I've uh, put out so far was a it's a repurposed video like most of them are um, and it's when I was demoing the um, Zone 96 mm-hmm. and then I hooked up like guitar pedal to it and uh, I, I looped machine into mm-hmm. it and I just had a bunch of loop in one of your players okay Denon players and I just had a bunch of loops going and then I just took that and, and did like a, a high pass filter and uh, some delay shit with the, it was an even tied uh, micro pitch controller or a uh, pedal, and 
it's blown up. It's got like, I don't know, it's, it's probably approaching 15,000 views now and it just keeps going. Nice. People are commenting nice. on it and subscribing to the channel and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, apparently I need to show more of it. Because to me, I was like, this is going to sound cool. It'll, you know, for the purposes of the review video, that what I was demonstrating was send return. Okay. Hey, you send out here, goes to the pedal, comes back in. Here's what that sounds like. Right. And apparently people loved hearing that. So it's like, mm. oh, that's a clue. I guess we'll post more stuff like that. So, right. Yeah, just just like a, a real crowd, you know, even yeah, if yeah. they have a direct <laughs> overhead shot and they can see what you're doing, they still love it. Yeah, so, yeah. Whatever works. Oh, yeah. Although artists aren't. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. <laughs>